Hello. Just before this slightly unusual episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, I wanted to take an easily skippable portion of time to ask you a favor. Shut Up and Sit Down is in its twice annual donation drive period. This show, this podcast, the YouTube channel, the streams, the convention, all of it is made possible by a sturdy backbone of audience support. I'll keep this super brief. If any of our content has brought you some joy over the past couple of years, consider donating at shutupandsitdown.com slash donate so that this thing can continue to exist completely free of any obligations other than to make the best possible thing for you. We'll take one-time donations, we'll take monthly subscriptions, or now, for the first time ever, you can support us through Patreon. We listened. We've got a Patreon now. All of these things boil down to the same reward, which is access to our monthly newsletter, where we write about what games we've been playing, stuff that's on our mind. Matt just talked about branding for a while in the last one. It sounds boring, but it was quite interesting. What music we're listening to, what books we're reading, all that kind of stuff, insider information. But also, what else do you get? It can't be it. That's it. But you do get the knowledge that you are the reason that this exists. And I'll love you forever. And also, if you want the newsletter but can't afford to donate right now, you don't need to pay. It's fine. Just ping me an email. We'll sort it out. I'm, I'm doing a wink right now, but you can't see that. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, and now we'll get on with this week's episode. This is a lovely chat with friend of the show, Tim Clare, about pitching games. This is an unusual format for us. So do let us know what you think over on shutupandsitdown.com. Oh, uh, and we're going to be talking about Undaunted Stalingrad next week. I know we promised to talk about it this week, but we had some recording difficulties. Seemingly every single flat in Brighton wants to do drilling at the moment. Enjoy! <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, but an unusual Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. I'm joined here today by someone who's not actually part of Shut Up and Sit Down. I'm here today interviewing someone for the first time in my life, and I'm pretty excited because it's Tim Clare, who I think is great. Um, hi, Tim. How are you doing? Hello, Ava. Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. I feel sort of both very welcomed by that introduction and um slightly like an interloper as well so that's a that's an odd place to be emotionally but <laughs> let's work with that well let's do that let's set up why i really wanted to talk to you about what we're hopefully talking about today uh, this is a bit of an experimental podcast for us so i don't think we've done anything like this before so let's see what happens and what the listeners think but what we are talking about today our general theme is how do you pitch a game this was inspired by a little thread you did and possibly some conversations we had uh, about UK Games Expo, uh, where you kind of like realised that you'd spent an entire weekend, just as I had, being like told about games by a lot of people working in booths who are very excited about something and not always doing the best job of getting across what you actually want to hear. Is that fair? Is that a bit too negative to start it off? Let's start there and we can redeem ourselves. It sounds slightly judgy. You do get a certain fatigue after a while actually i have had the same thing when i go to edinburgh and do shows up there at the edinburgh fringe like i love seeing live shows right but like on the hundredth pitch of a comedy <laughs> show you become such like a jaded cynic and it's not a part of myself that i particularly like but that is the experience of people who are there so i think it's worth being able to get into that mindset 
and think about what we can learn whilst recognizing i love all the people in those booths pitching those games and i'm just as excited as them but like how can we get better at it right and i think that that's the thing is that like it's really obvious that people there are quite often volunteering quite often working on a passion project quite often just so in love with games and the fact that they're there and getting to talk to people about things and that stuff can come through sometimes and i think that actually some of the problems are people like holding themselves back from that passion or like thinking they've got to do things in a particular way or people are after a particular thing and like maybe we can like cut into the weeds of that a little bit and the reason that I've asked you to come and do this in particular is not just because we had like the most uh enjoyably ridiculous game of cosmic encounter I think I've ever had Um, but it's actually because you uh let's introduce you a little I haven't actually said who you are apart from Tim Clare which it means a lot to me but doesn't necessarily mean a lot to anyone else here um you are an author and a are you still a poet or are you an ex-poet i wouldn't say that you ever sort of there's no one you can quit to there's not like a boss of poetry that you can go up to and say i i just want to sign out of this you haven't handed in your badge and your gun yet right no who do i quit to no yeah so no i'm i i'm still a poet still a poet lots of stand-up and writing experience and you've done a lot of interesting work but like i think the way i discovered you was from your podcast death of a thousand cuts um which at least initially was uh mostly first page critiques where you would uh brutally but also lovingly uh dissect people's first pages of people's novels um and i have to say that like I think that the advice you gave on that in terms of like micro language and like selling, making sure that every sentence on your first page is a pitch, is a promise, is a is a invitation into the thing. I found that so useful, both on craft fronts and on just how do you excite people about something front. So like, I think I have this job because of that summer where I listened to quite a lot of your podcasts and like hammered some of your little line edit tips into my head and I think that that tipped me over the edge from being like a solid writer to someone who like could excite professional writers who had to assess whether they wanted me to work for them so uh thanks for that that's awesome and I I think you know the podcast as you've sort of alluded to has since kind of devolved into something closer to like environmental storytelling in a first person shooter where you're finding like the tapes from the uh from the scientist who slowly <laughs> becomes consumed by their project oh and- my word has anyone ever done a game where it's just like the tapes that you're picking up are actually just episodes of someone's podcast <laughs> like- <laughs> It'd be so amazing. It would be really good. <laughs> that's that's our first massive digression. So let's get back to what we were talking about. Tim, how, yeah, so you talked about getting a bit jaded. And I think that that's the thing that I worried about as well. At UK Games Expo, UK Games Expo, for those of you who don't know or haven't been to a convention, um, is the main body of it is the Expo Hall where there are a lot of people who have paid for stands to be in a place and show people their games. Some of these people are huge publishers with a whole array of games to play and press staff. And some of these people are just independent individuals who have got a Kickstarter coming coming up soon and they've just got a little prototype and there's such a variety of people there who are talking to you about 
games. Yeah, the bulk of it is like a, I guess, like a trade show. Yeah, with like stands and yeah, as you exactly as you said, they're kind of pitching their games, they're selling them, and it's everyone from like the big publishers who generally have got you know a, a staff on board who are fairly experienced at selling these games and massive posters for all their games, uh, right down to the uh, playtesting area, which might be game creators who've never had a game published before, who've just got some stuff cut out on graft paper, graft paper and like little squares of coloured card who are like running their prototypes to people for the first time and sort of every point in between. And this is one of the things about it, right? That's not just a gamut in front in terms of who they are, but also in terms of who they might be talking to. Like, you know, I'm there as a reviewer and I'm like super curious to find exciting things that I might have missed or things that are worth us getting test copies or things that are worth of us like putting a tick in a box and saying maybe later we should cover that um or for podcasts or whatever um uh, you were there as a punter but also doing research for your book so you mm-hmm. kind of were okay because you just could just be excited by everyone because you've got a book about board games hopefully in the works at the moment are we allowed to talk about that yeah absolutely and i i was doing reviews for tabletop gaming magazine as well so i was like picking stuff up from that so i, I had like a multiple hats on um not yeah. literally of course um it'd be no, I was going to say it'd be weird, but actually it's probably not that weird for... There were people with at least one hat on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you could probably get away with a multiple hat look every now and then. Although it was quite a warm weekend, and I kind yeah. of struggled with that at times. Um, but yeah, so they might be pitching to press. They might be pitching to, like, general punters. You know, people who have just come... I think... Um, I think Matt was saying that he was surprised at how many people he saw there who was like they'd got into board games over the course of lockdowns and stuff. And this was like their first time trying to meet new people and find other people who are excited. And it was their first convention because of that. And some of those people are there because they're hoping to meet publishers, right? Some people are like actually trying to sell their game on like the large scale. And that's got to be one of the most terrifying things, right? Realizing that you could be talking to someone from a huge publisher who could decide the future of your game um so it's a weird context is what i'm saying so i think one of the things i think we probably both want to emphasize here is that like while we're probably about to like be somewhat critical of some of the stuff that happened and while i maybe was a bit sassy in my introduction um i think that we really want to get across that we're here to we love this stuff as much as you and what we're hoping for is to make it be easier for people and like if you feel like we are subtweeting you aggressively about like things that you did quote unquote wrong uh when you were pitching and talking about your games like understand that like we think you're great for even trying to make a game and put it in front of people like the boldness to be willing to just talk to people about a thing you have made up a thing that you have invented and isn't necessarily even real yet like we've both had some experience of that it's weird it's terrifying and we have nothing but love and respect for people who do that i believe two things yeah, i want to add to that one like the people i spent the most time with who i sort of wanted to give the most positive energy to were the people for whom this was clearly a passion project the people who put so much like i'm i'm willing 
those people with my whole chest to be gloriously successful. I'm not going around like a a sneering kind of restaurant critic looking to see whose kind of like seedling business I can destroy with one famously caustic review. Like, my goodness, I, I love games in a way that I normally have to pretend I don't in real life because <laughs> to many people that seems pathological, right? I absolutely adore them and these people are my people. But it's just at the same time, you you engage with people where there's like a few things that they're getting wrong and you're <laughs> torn between wanting them, you know, to reinforce how great you think they are and to make them feel uplifted and give them your attention and love and encouragement and, and wanting to say, look, I, I, and that's why I actually really enjoyed going to the prototyping playtesting area because yeah. I was explicitly asked for feedback and yeah. and I gave it tentatively but I'd give it very honestly yeah, and yeah, yeah. people were going oh wow thank you and they were like going no no and I was going I'm really sorry I'm sorry I'm you know and they were going no thank you this is really helpful no one's told me this and often yeah. you're confirming stuff that actually you discover they've privately feared but no one in their friendship group will tell them. And also, and secondly, I just want to say, and I think you've alluded to this when we were talking about this episode, but all of us pitch games every time mm. we sit down at a table. The table pitch, the rules explanation is also a pitch. The what shall we play tonight? There are games that you probably haven't got off your shelf. You haven't got to the table, not because they're bad games, but because you have just no idea how to sell it to individual groups uh, oh my god this is absolutely like such a huge part of my problem with games like i think i've talked about this before but like i have this deep problem of like being so anxious that everybody have a good time that i will quite often take games off my shelf and tell people everything that's wrong with it because <laughs> i'm like oh no you you like this one i really love it but like there's a little bit of player of betrayal in it and sometimes people feel a bit like they've got too far behind because i'm so desperate to not give people the feelings that they don't want i forget that actually the job is to tell them about the things that will excite them and will will get them into it because people will overlook the things that are that can be a bit wobbly like certainly i do uh if there's something that is really exciting and can really like kind of pull you together. I think the other thing that I wanted to say with regards to like where I'm coming from with this is that like one of the real reasons I want to do this podcast is not because I want to like, it's it's entirely selfish. I don't want to make necessarily make people be better than this. But like my biggest fear is that someone at UK Games Expo tried to show me something that I would have adored you know, something that would have like leapt out at me and been like, this is the thing that is going to excite me the most next. And I worry that if someone wasn't great at getting that across for completely reasonable reasons, like especially with independent stuff, it's quite likely that their skills are being a board game designer and not being someone who can convince strangers that something is exciting. Yeah, those are actually different skills, I think. And they are often skills that you don't see, uh, you know, not to, I, I don't want to sort of stereotype uh, board game designers, but sort of P.T. Barnum style sort of hucksterism. <laughs> <laughs> is not what you immediately think of when you think of somebody with the sort of interest and skills of creating board games. That can be there, but um, 
there's no particular reason why you should be a great salesperson uh, for your game. Also, I mean, we'll get into this because I, I think there's loads yeah. to talk about. Um, and, and, you know, pitching a game to your games group is subtly different. But again, yeah. a lot of the same things come up, which are, uh, you know, audience and information and what people need to know. So I, I think I, I think it's kind of universal to the board games world. And I just think actually inculcating people into board games and introducing them to different games is something that we often think of as sort of being like a chore, a necessary bit of gristle that you have to chew through to get to games. And the, you know, the worst thing about games is having to do the rules expo. I would like to put forward the deliberately controversialist premise that actually it's one of the things that kind of is one of the greatest sort of social exchanges that we have as games players that connects us right back through history is this initiation and learning to do that better can enhance all our experiences of games because I remember who taught me all of my favorite games mm. i remember sitting at the table and i over the weekend we went on a little family holiday it rained everyone at the campsite literally everyone i could not believe it i felt like i was hallucinating everybody produced games and started playing card games oh. board games and i sat down with my daughter suki and i started teaching her all the different variants, all the different world variants of drafts, because, because that's how my brains work. And I, there's no game that I don't want to ruin by going, here's English drafts, in my opinion, the worst variant. And, uh, but she actually had a great time. But to me, because of the context and because of how I framed it, it didn't feel like, oh, I've got to do a rules expo for drafts. Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. You don't know drafts. <laughs> Welcome to my world. And I, and, 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 and I think these things can be opportunities. And I think the same is true of when you're pitching games to people and when you're doing rules expos. And we think of it as like just like a, 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 like a journey that has to be sort of suffered and got through when actually it can be just as much a part of the game experience as everybody sitting down with their bowl of snacks and the music coming on and the beautiful rumble of the dice on green bays it can be every <laughs> much as part of that intrinsic experience yeah absolutely there is something about like if we accept the idea that like board games are about creating a magic circle and a social space that exists outside of the normal rules the rules explanation is the spell right yes it's the thing that you're casting yes! with your friends it's a ritual that you go into where you're like this is the world we are entering you are you are pour you are pouring out the salt that makes that circle my goodness yes <laughs> God, we really sound like we lost the plot now <laughs> should we amble out a preamble and start yes. actually telling people what we think Wonderful. they should do when they're trying to pitch games to their friends and to Other otherwise people will all be like doing rituals and and and, 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 and and sacrificing pigeons and things like that next year <laughs> yeah how do we start this how do we start this what's the first thing that you would say to people well, so fundamentally, when people are rocking up to your stand, your table, whatever you've got, the first thing to remember is that person is there. They, they've already opted in 
to being at a games expo. Presumably they're not accepting uh, uh, some rather somewhat bizarre a hostage situation um unless they're going around with a cranial bomb in their head having instructions fed to them through an earpiece which you know i don't think you have to build your entire sales strategy around <laughs> that what i mean i'm going to look quite the fool if that ends up being a sort of like common experience of um uh con goers next year but like then these people are turning up because at some level they are interested in games right they are yeah. not, I think generally they are not there looking for excuses to turn their nose up at you. We are going round, wandering through this fantastical garden, wanting to learn, right? So the first thing you need to know, do not imagine a stopwatch starting. Don't start feeling like I have to really hook this person in with some sort of explosive counterintuitive first line i had a few people going let me ask you a question and 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 and, and then and then they go like do you and your mates ever want to murder each other and you go and you just i just feel like i'm and i go well what do you i you want me to say oh yes or no then your love fantasy smash your mate's face in game i mean that's not a realistic title for a game but they sort of like they, there was sort of this sense of being sort of like hard sold to that is just simply not necessary when someone wanders up to your stall you don't have to come screaming in off the turnpike hot like trying as as if the person will step away if i I just think it's like turning up to a first date and just your opening question instead of like hey how are you and saying your name just like just screeching in and going When's the time you felt most alive in your life? Like like getting to that at some point during the meal, like getting towards important, intimate, key moments in your life might be a way of increasing intimacy. But don't don't start with that because you just sound completely sociopathic. And actually, what has often drawn people in is, and I don't know if this is your experience, is going to be the first thing is like the artwork and the name of the game. Like those are physical things that are seen or are visible before people approach your store. And so I realized that I was approaching stores for super shallow reasons initially. Yeah. Um, there were big meeples, I think, was like a really <laughs> common reason I approached the store because a game had either like giant acrylic me meeples or someone had just made big meeples of their game or it just had cool meeples. But like I like games in physical space. I like tactile games. I love the feeling of dice in my hand. I love the snap of linen-backed cards on the table. I I love drafting games because I love picking something with a beautiful illustration and then passing it on. And all of the times that I would initially move towards a stall, it's either like the name of the game was really cool and I was interested in the theme, or it just like looked gorgeous, right? Like I, I don't know how you feel about that yeah i don't know i kind of have contradictory feelings there like one of the one of the things to know is that actually one of the one of the best pitches that i had all weekend was up to for something that like i definitely had no interest in whatsoever um but someone just as i was walking past was just like hey do you fancy a math challenge? Um, and this was on a, <laughs> this was on Sunday, and I was tired, and my brain had started to turn to goop a bit, and like there was nothing I wanted less than that in that moment. But 
I did it because it made me laugh so much <laughs> that I was being picked on when I was in no state. And I sat and I listened to the whole thing because there was just clearly like a kind of like, do you like a math challenge? I'm just going to introduce you to this. This is a set of cards with some numbers on. We're going to roll dice and make you do sums. Uh, this is all of the systems that are here. But it was like there was something about the clarity about what the game was that was inherent in that first question and everything beyond that like there was no fluff there was no nothing so part of me wants to like I do want to get directly to the core of it and this might be about the fact that I really ideally I would see everything at the convention right in my ideal Mm. version of this world I want to find the obscurities so I'm willing to put up with things that might not initially grab me um, but yeah, I think there's a there's also a point in what you're saying, which is, I guess, that remember that your pitch has started before you start talking to someone, right? Like that actually, and try and find out what people are interested in rather than assuming that people are interested in something. Well, the sort of second point I would say is um, I found a surprising number of people would... I say a surprising number, not the majority, but a non-trivial minority of people would go, oh, do you like, and they'd like name a, a genre, like, oh, do you like negotiation games? Do you like bluffing games? So they'd establish that I liked the genre of game. Yeah. And then they would criticise some like key aspect of that like you know do you but you find do you do you like negotiation games but like you hate how long they go on or something like that or they pick a key competitor and yeah. say like say they were a trading card game and they go but we'd like find magic the gathering is you know a little bit fiddly a little bit boring there's not much interaction and immediately there's two reasons why I don't think this works very well one if you've established somebody likes that genre and that game you're immediately going well just so you know i think that genre is kind of rubbish or like there's some major flaw in it that makes us hate it and it's gone well i've you've already engaged with me and 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 and, and two so i might like that game and you've immediately saying that the game i like is is bad and i'm like well i don't really mind that secondly uh, we're immediately not talking about your game but having a hypothetical discussion about flaws in another more established game and actually like I don't need to know that yet what I need what I what I want to do is for you to direct my attention to the physical object between us yeah, which yeah, is yeah, this yeah. game right and and let's get into it and and I just found that like a very odd tactic where I get it they're trying to explain a need for their game it's kind of a sales pitch that might maybe possibly sort of work better with a publisher i don't know though really i don't think that's true it's not how i would handle a book like i wouldn't go to a publisher and say and name a very well selling book and go but we all realize that book was dreadful and so i've treached <laughs> like no that's not just talk about your own game but also secondly i just sometimes felt a bit alienated i was getting oh, yeah. i quite like that game actually <laughs> and, yeah, and now yeah, you're yeah. telling me like i'm a muppet for liking it and i, I just kind of got my hackles up slightly not i wasn't that offended but i was just like i started you know i started started nursing my sort of slightly wounded pride instead of paying attention to them talking about their i'm sure brilliant game 
Yeah. There's a risk that that's basically negging, right? Like accidentally saying like, oh, no, but what if that is the thing that I like about it? And maybe Mm. that's what they're going for when they're trying to say, oh, but if you like everything about that game, don't do this. But then you're like, you're finding common ground and then you're pushing away from it. And that seems like a flaw. But also one of the things that I worry about is that I feel like one of the big pitfalls I've seen a lot in game design at a kind of like publishing scale. It's quite easy to look at something that people love but have criticisms of and then focus on those criticisms and think that if you remove the obstacles, you're going to make a better game. Whereas, in fact, sometimes those obstacles are what some people love about it, right? So it's very easy for, like, yeah, I mean, I've got a review coming up soon that's going to talk about something like this. But if you were to take Quacks of Quedlingburg and make it less random and less cruel, then you wouldn't be playing that genre of game anymore. Can you imagine if someone made Cosmic Encounter but tried to make it really carefully balanced? Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like, I get it. Some people hate that about that game. So I can see why that's a thing. But there's like a knot of like working out who could that be for. And I think that if you're trying to... Oh, I don't know my programming languages. Is it, is it nor <laughs> your audience? Like, <laughs> if you're trying to put them through a logic gate that says, like, do you like this, but not this about it? What you're doing is shrinking down the potential that the person you're talking to is likely to understand what you're talking about and want to engage with you because there's just there's, there's risks there. Like, it's maybe that's a gamble that's worth taking for certain games, but. No, I think you want to just get into playing the game as quickly as possible and mm. they'll they'll quickly find that out. I don't even think your pitch is about selling the game. Mm. I don't think it is. I think it's about explaining the game. What sells the game is someone playing the game, experiencing the game and enjoying the game. You cannot do a pitch of a game that is, well, you probably can to sort of a particularly naive audience, but for the most part, you cannot do a pitch for a game that is so good that it will cover up the cracks in a rubbish game and yeah. and 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 I also would say I don't think you can do a pitch that's so bad that it will destroy a game that is really good but what you can do is not explain the rules so someone doesn't get to play the actual game I don't want to sort of restart an internecine war between the two <laughs> between people who like Caverna and people who like Agricola but those two games have a different feel and uh, Caverna is a little bit gentler and Agricola is a little bit tighter and meaner, right? And you can switch one into the other, but some people, for some people, the juice of Agricola is then lost. And for some people, if you take, if you tighten up Caverna, um, some of the opportunity and ranginess and wonder is is removed as well. So this is what I find particularly difficult. And it's like being a vacuum cleaner salesperson, right? But instead, the problem that they raise that they're going to, that their game is going to solve is like, you know how euros are too long? And I'm like, no, no, not necessarily, unless it's rubbish. But like, often it's nice. If I'm doing something good, I like spending a long time. It's like, this is a Euro experience in 10... Like, if you said to me, this is a Euro game experience in 10 minutes. Yeah, 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 I'm in. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. let me show me this. If you go, you know how you hate Euros because they're too long. You know how you hate being able to spend a lovely evening with your pals? Then immediately I'm like, I don't... I think you're solving a problem that we didn't have. So yeah. that's that's the key thing for me. And also the solution, as you said, 
almost always introduces multiple obvious flaws, right? Because these things aren't an either or and they're not problems per se. They're just like, to take uh, an analogy from, uh, you know, role playing games, like uh, your sorcerer generally can't wear heavy armor because it stops them being able to cast spells. It doesn't mean heavy armor is bad. It just means it's not great for that build unless you do something really interesting. And that's the same with games. It's not really that there are sliders of good bad and someone goes hey i've got had this really amazing idea i just thought maybe you know like a lot of games are quite boring well i just like pulled down the boringness slider it's like no that's not how it works (laughs) that's not quite what we're talking about here and I, i think that's important um for people to kind of get their heads round really because often they end up sort of yeah criticizing stuff that people like me kind of quietly love yeah 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 yeah. and there's just a real risk of that when you are dealing with people who are likely to be excited and passionate and stuff um and i think that it's interesting that i feel like in the middle of that we've got a part of the reason why that that might happen to some extent and that is that traditional sales marketing techniques i think does say what you are trying to do is find a problem that your customer has and offer them a solution right but I feel like with board games, my problem it, when I'm thinking about getting a new board game isn't that, uh, that Agricola is too crunchy. My problem is that I want to be playing a board game and I'm not because I want a new system to pour myself into and teach people. And so if you can focus on the problems that people people do have, like if you can make it clear that there's something here that will excite a table full of people, something here that you will be able to teach and explain, something here that's got some of those physical and mental exertions that we like in games. Like, if you can talk about the things that it is going to give you, whether that is excitement or mathematical problems or... Like, my key thing here is that I want people to be explaining the game. I want people to be telling me, like, the most interesting pull in as quickly as possible. Um, And telling me what it isn't, isn't that. And telling me that something else is broken definitely isn't that. Like, what I want is, I want to know what you care about in your game, what made you excited by it. And maybe you did set out with the goal of, I want to make a Euro game that is short uh, because I've been frustrated with with long games for a while. And But like you can frame that as being about you and then you're not assuming someone else's opinion, right? That there's so many ways to reframe this discussion so it's it's different. Because, yeah, what I, do you hate Euro games that are really long? Then you'll love this is entirely different from, as you said, like, do you want a Euro game you can play in 10 minutes, right? It's a totally Ooh. different supposition. And one of them's actually a lot quicker and requires you less thinking on the person who's listening, which honestly, at a Sunday on a game convention, if you can make me do less thinking, that's really helpful because I'm normally quite spacey and tired by then because there's a lot of words and noises around a convention. But crucially, I want to sort of bring it back to some of these principles that are true of creative writing and this idea that most people are familiar with show don't tell you have the game right there okay so we are not you're you're not having to explain to someone on so 
on a on a on a busy train station before they jump onto a train and disappear out of your life forever explain this abstract concept of a game the game is in most cases literally sitting between the two of you so what i need to know is you just open any pitch demo they walk up and you say the game's name this game is called whatever maybe tell me the win condition and you know so and, and, and we are all trying to score the most points at the end of five rounds. And we're going to do that by planting turnips. Would you, do you fancy playing a round or two? And I can kind of walk you through it. Right. That's it. That's the pitch, right? That is all I, I think you need to kind of get into the game. Do not explain to me why the game is going to be fun. Let that be an emer- that should that should be an emergent property of the game. Do you know the most powerful thing when I was teaching Suki, she's five, uh, drafts at the weekend, was letting her discover emergent strategies. Letting her spot what happens when you can jump two at the same time. Letting her discover this idea of forced takes. And I took one of yours, but now you've set up two to take I, I didn't say before we started playing you're gonna feel super satisfied when i'm forced to take one of your pieces but you get to then take jump over two or even three of mine that's gonna feel amazing i didn't lead with that she realized that and that spark those two points that zap happened in her own head and to me that is the moment when someone is at your table and they go oh can i do this and you go sure and they feel like they came up with that strategy spontaneously. They're playing the game. You've you've done ninety percent of it. Oh my gosh, that is that is the juice, right? When they are sitting down and going, "Hey, wait, so can I use this here?" You're like, "Yeah," and they're into it. And then they're playing the game. And then, I mean, then you can, then you know, you have done your job of being the pusher, which is you've given them some of it free, mm-hmm. and now they're hooked. Does that make sense? Like, as soon as they're playing the game, as soon as they've got their finger sort of um, trapped in the ludic cogs, so to speak, then just our brains are such puzzle-solving, cardboard-shuffling, I-want-to-beat-you kind of machines that they will... They'll be absorbed, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I mean that's one of the fear when someone is really like going on a on a on a waffly ramble about like oh and here's the setting and here's here's the adventure and here's a rough summary of the turn order, but not actually telling you anything about like what is the puzzles you're going to be solving, what is the interactions you're going to be having. So as quickly as you can get to that thing, like like I think what you're talking about there is the idea of like you can actually give some one the feeling of it right you you can have your game set up almost as a as a puzzle ready to go for them to be like oh what would I decide to do I think my biggest problem was when someone was just running me through all of the possible actions without giving me the context for those ramifications before like and this is like before I've decided that I'm going to sit down and actually play and maybe maybe this is where we differ a bit and I think that I was trying to work out which things I had the time to even take a look at so I do want a 
uh, uh, oh god I was about to call it foreplay step but that's clearly inappropriate <laughs> I want something that is going to let me know that there is something worth exploring here and like as soon as you can show me something that is like oh I've not seen that before or oh that's an interesting puzzle that is worth so much more to me than a load of theme and background unless that theme and background is absolutely stonking right I do think it's good to have an idea of what is exciting and what excites you and to start with that stuff. Um, but I do like your thing of just being like, this is the game, this is how you win. Because that's the same levels of levels of information as you want in a teach, right? Uh, just like squashed together. But I think making a distinction between pitching and teaching is really important and just being like, uh, maybe it's cruel of me to say to people, I want your elevator pitch. I want you to convince me in 10 seconds that this is marvellous because that's not easy. But I do think it's good when people do have that because it means that I know that there's there there might be something. I don't know. The fact that, honestly, the fact that someone's do you want a math challenge, even when I didn't want that? The fact that they could tell me what I might be looking for was really refreshing. Let's open up to nuance here and say, I admit that there could be multiple strategies. <laughs> and you might just go for like, a, you might have a very clear idea of your audience. And you might just go with a kind of a, a fairly sort of brutal filter. Do you want a maths challenge? I'd go, no. Uh, and I'd continue walking, right? So there you've immediately, the only people who are going to come and listen to your pitch are going to be people who um, either um, want a maths challenge or um, are sort of very desperate to please and don't like to say no to people when they pitch games to them, right? Um, both of whom are sort of likely customers. Maybe you want to filter out people who've got no interest in your game at all. I, I, I think the other thing is to, to be direct and say, when people wander up, say, okay, this game is such and such, you know, this game is Caverna, you're going to be, uh, you're going to win by getting the most victory points at the end of however many turns it is. And you're going to do that by growing things and digging out gems from your caves and then i would suggest in terms of your this thing that you have which is timing are they checking that i'm on the bus and that there's buy-in before they go to the next stage of the pitch are they giving me a clear exit point what i would then next say is i can do you a quick run through the game it'll take two minutes uh, would you like me to do that right so you've given someone a clear idea of how much of their time it's going to they're going to need to invest and what you're going to do with that time, right? Then the person can go, well, I might come back later. And actually, you've got quite an easy social alibi to go. I just, I've got, so, there's a, a something coming up, right? It wouldn't feel awkward to break away at that point. But you also know it might be easier to say yes. If you go 120 seconds, I've got time for that on my schedule, yeah, right? I think that's the thing. And like, it was one thing that I wanted to say in response to some of what you said earlier. I know that I've heard you previously talk about not being able to be a credible advocate for your own work, right? If it's something that you have made, you are not really the best person to tell people whether it is good or bad because you are going to be too close to it. You're going to... And people... And even if you can be, like, ludicrously honest, and even if, uh, like I suspect possibly both of us, you're very, very harshly critical of your own work and might be 
too far in the wrong direction. When you are trying to tell people to buy something, when you're trying to encourage people in that sort of transaction, your credibility on that front is shot very, very quickly because people know that you're there for a job. But you can build credibility and rapport, not by lying, but just by being honest, by remembering that you are people who want to play games. Like you are here because you are hoping that people will sit around a table and put this game on their table and have a good time with it. And if you can spend more of your energy on making sure that people know that you want them to have a nice time with your game or even just at the con or at your table at your game night the more space you give people to be like okay there is a connection here there's something that makes sense this person is just being honest about something that they're passionate about or expressing their passion and and yeah and so if you do focus on what is the actual game what are the details rather than this is going to be the most whiz bang exciting experience you've ever had in your life this game will probably make you more fertile don't do that tell me that I'm going to get to play with a load of little little wooden meeples and make interesting decisions. I think it's almost like raising questions in their mind. I would never, if you just rock up and say, this story is going to be so exciting. It's how I felt about being a compare, right? I've done loads of comparing work over my life, at loads of festivals, and I had to bring on an act. And I found the best way to stitch up an act I'm about to bring on, especially someone doing comedy, right, is to tell the audience the next person on is hilarious. Yeah. I can, you can, you almost literally see them folding their arms, going, "Well, we'll be the judge of that." <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't help any. It doesn't like it's, it's implicit in the fact I'm bringing them on and and taking up your time, right? How does that help? What I can say is. Oh, th- this next person, uh, I can talk about something that they've produced or like something that they might have been on TV or the radio or done or the style that they're about to do. But essentially, I'm wasting your time unless I'm getting the audience in a position where they're ready to play and go, they're going to be on for about 10 minutes. You know, I might literally do what I was saying to you before, which is give the audience a sense of what their buy-in is going to be. Yeah. If you want to be involved, everyone get into the tent, move forward, shuffle forward. Let's create a great atmosphere. Let's create that magic circle. That's all I'm trying to do. But I'm essentially making sure that we have established a voluntary contract, right? That and I, that I don't sit there going, this person's going to be hilarious. Oh, they tell such good jokes. Oh, you're going to have a great time. Oh, you're in for a treat. No one cares. I'm I like I'm a bit more of a credible advocate than that person I'm about to bring on, but I'm clearly not neutral. The yeah. best thing is like, do you want to see? Shall we bring them on? <laughs> People will be like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> great. They're like immediately yeah. you've created a, oh, and you know, they're going to do, or you can talk about style, something like that. Give people a sense. And I think that is always, my goodness, it's like, let's, if someone comes up to the table and you just go, okay, it's this kind of game. You're going to have to do this. If you've got two minutes, we can dive into a scenario like uh, super quick and you can you can run through this first room in the dungeon. Yeah, yeah, I'll be like, yeah, 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 I'm in. Cool. And because you're saying you get to discover this. This isn't for me to sort of stand over you. Do you know my worst experiences ever as a video game um, reviewer were when I had to go into the studio and sit there 
playing the demo while the lead designer sat over my right shoulder and watched me missing the same jump six times in a row. And then you can feel them like leaning forward, explaining uh, if you just uh, press up and why, then you can actually do a kind of like grapple jump. And I just, and I felt under such pressure to like have a great time. And I just want to have my own experience with that. Right. And I think... That's the same as like when I sat down, the games that I bought when I was there or that I picked up a review copy for were exclusively ones where I sat down and played a demo game with other randos and the designer or demo person after explaining the rules left us alone for the entire time and didn't keep coming past making, doing gags about (sighs) the game. Like, do you don't need to do that? You don't need to run a kind of like yuck, yuck, kind of like this guy. That I, I'm, we're playing the game. You're piercing the magic circle. So they were games that I sat down and played through with people and went, this is ace. Or there were games that I had the demo, played a bit of the game, and then someone else said, I said, I saw this game. And they went, that game is sick. You've got to pick it up. And I was like, okay, I've had an independent person tell me <laughs> that's like two hits. Right. Yeah. Those were the games that I picked up. And, you know, chat goes around and people start say, talking about games they're excited by. And this is the thing I want to finish on because I, I just want to be completely honest because we've been studiously not mean after your intro. <laughs> and I just want to say this. There was one game. I'm not going to mention it, but me and my friend Sam played through it. We played through a few rounds and then we got to a point and we we're just like, should we just finish there? Because we got the sense of it. And I was like, what did you think? And he's like, yeah, I quite liked it. And then he paused and he said something that, if I'm honest, I'd been quietly thinking myself. I wonder if I'd have enjoyed it a bit more if the guy demoing it hadn't been quite so annoying. Yeah. And I feel really bad for saying that, but it was just someone who had a kind of joke for every single mechanism and was just a bit kind of like, you're right, lads. Yeah, like, yeah, and, and, and continually made gags all the way through to the point where the expo took three times as long as it would have normally um, because everything had a joke and a kind of like little, uh, a, a little flavour kind of based gag and was just like elaborating something out. And I think the person was really a nice person yeah. and I like them very much. You know, the person who was demonstrating, I don't know them, but they seemed very lovely and keen to make our experience a good one. So I didn't judge them as a person, but it was a little bit difficult to get on. We were sat down and we wanted to get on with the game and I did feel a bit like I was being pitched to when I was already on side. Yeah. And so I do think that's always a danger. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is something about like... let. <laughs> Pick up on the hints when people are just ready to just get on with it. Like, you've done your job if they're sitting and playing the game. Um, you probably want to be available in case they want to ask questions or clarify something. Of or course, they're looking yeah. really confused. But let people enjoy the game. If the, You're not going to convince people that a game is good if they're not enjoying it. Like, there's nothing you can say that will change people's minds about a game that they are playing. So let them play it and make up their minds. It slightly smacks of desperation. Mm. And you're not going to be there when people play a game to provide a funny gloss on the game, especially if your jokes are sort of at variance with the theme. So you're saying things that aren't in the game, but just to add like an absurd spin on... Because you're... Yeah, but you know, if your game is about sort of street vendors 
in Georgian London and you're constantly going, he's, he's probably off down the pub and this person's probably listening to their personal stereo. That's funny because it's a, it's a, a anachronistic. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it doesn't make me feel like I, you don't have to be ashamed that this game has got quite like a, a straightforward historical theme. Yeah. It sounds exciting to me. Don't, don't keep, don't keep kind of like apologizing for it by yeah. making like goofy gags around it. It's like, it's fine. It's going to be good. Yeah. Well, that's been an absolute delight. Do you have any final thoughts or are you happy with that as like the kind of like, I mean, we've covered quite a lot of territory. So hopefully this is going to be helpful for people and not just sound like us like rolling around moaning randomly about actually the very lovely experience of getting to go to go to an expo and see a lot of things that we care about. But uh, yeah, hopefully we've got across the passion, right? Yeah, I think so. I th- I'd say my sum up is that um, problems people have in, I think doing lots of rules expo for a game is an important part of its development. Um, and it's very clear sometimes when some of those people coming out with uh, some of the indie people were actually explaining their games to people who weren't involved in the development process for the first time. Yeah. Because discovering what pe- elements of the game people struggle with that aren't intuitive are sometimes design issues rather than pitch issues, right? Yeah. And I think it's worth just having that experience. And it's why a really great first place is not a table at the expo, but the very lovely, I love going there, the prototyping area, where you get to see what parts of the game feel intuitive to people, what parts of the game, like a rule that they keep forgetting. That's not necessarily that you didn't do a good enough job pitching the game. It might be that that rule just doesn't fit thematically or is a bit off and you can make a change and do that. So I'd say like you can get around a lot of this, I think, which is like Game Design 101, which is playtest, playtest, playtest and listen to your players. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, I think that's, yeah. I d- oh, oh, isn't it? Aren't games great? <laughs> like, isn't it, isn't it lovely that like your mate, like part of your thing can be just like, mate, just make a great game and then it'll sell itself. Like that part of the advice here is just like, remember that people are going to be playing it and getting enthused and excited and you're probably going to find flaws, but you've got time to fix that and just... Yeah, I don't know. This has been really lovely. I really appreciate um, having you on, Tim. It's um, oh, yeah. I'm sorry for giving, not giving you more of a challenge on your first interview. I should have been more spiky. <laughs> but, ge- but games are lovely, and I feel like it's something that is not. We don't have to be embarrassed about, and I think it's wonderful. And yeah, I feel ex- I feel exactly the same as, as as you, Ava, which is that they're just such a joy and a way of bringing people together. And all we're really talking about here is a more perfect way of communicating. We're just like, how do we talk to each other and connect with people and show people cool stuff? And I, you know, that's why I think I feel it enthused about talking about this because it's just like, yeah, there's an audience out there and I, it's made me want to go around and learn a new bunch of new people's games, you know? It's yeah, very yeah, exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant. Well, thanks for coming, Tim. Uh, do you want to tell people about the work you've done and you're doing and where people can find you online and what you're excited for that's coming up and anything else what do you have to say to the people at home well you can find me on twitter at tim Clare poet um i do a podcast called death of a thousand cuts which is for anyone who likes writing or reading or 
finding out how the story sausage is made. I'm working on a book about tabletop games and how they bring people together at the moment, which um, I think probably is not going to see the light of day before 2023 at the earliest as yet to be named. Um, and yeah, I'll tell you what, like I've got a website, timclapoet.co.uk. If there's anyone out there who loves games, who would like to talk with me for the book about their tabletop experiences, whether you're a designer, an enthusiastic gamer, anything like that, there's a contact me link on my website. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I'm just fascinated with games all over the world, not necessarily hobbyist games that we've been talking about, but these as well. Um, if, you know, you fancy talking to me about your games I, i'm looking for people to talk about because it's been a really really worthwhile thing so far yeah i mean it's an interesting thing that i think i've seen that you're shouting out for is you are looking for people from around the world in like non like different sorts of gaming communities right mm. and like yeah i don't know how worldwide we are but i know we once had a letter from someone in antarctica so i kind of assume we've got some reach there was a game designed in the polar research station in antarctica <laughs> i've been re reading about one of their uh scientists failure to get um, the fellow scientists to play uh, Agricola that had, had, had a bad teach experience and apparently there's a copy of Agricola that has been left at a polar research station in Antarctica. <laughs> oh my word, why would you want to play Agricola, a game about subsistence farming in the place in the world where it is the hardest to farm? <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah I, I, I guess so. Um <laughs> I'm not sure if I've got the logic there. I think it's just that I always, I've always had beef with Agricola. But we said we weren't going to go into the internecine struggles of Agricola versus Caverna. Yeah. So maybe that's time to wrap it up. Thanks a lot for coming, Tim. Thanks for listening, everyone at home. Uh, we'd really appreciate feedback on whether you want more interviews like this that are about themes and topics, uh, not necessarily with designers, but just with interesting people who we want to talk to. Uh, let us know what you think. Sorry if it's a bit chaotic. Hope it was fun. And thanks for listening to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. Say bye, Tim. Bye, Tim. Bye.